hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at, I know I'm in an alleyway, I know, I know how I look, but I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers, that's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. Stop it. Stop. You can't... You can't start... No. You think... uh, Do you think people would be mad if I killed God? I think people are going to be more mad about the fact that you're chewing on a podcast. God God can wait. He can take a backseat. Take a number, God. (laughs) Take a number at the deli counter. Because (laughs) we have have problems. I wouldn't be mad if God killed you, honestly. (laughs) At this moment in time. At this exact moment in time. What do you mean... Is this... Not sonically. Welcome, good. Not, welcome back to good. the podcast, The Chew, where we review different <laughs> bites of food for you, our listeners, all zero of you out there surfing the net waves, listening for those chew sounds. Big Chew sounds like it would be a radio broadcast that was sponsored by, by the big, gum. by Big Chew the gum by Big yeah, Chew, and it by would big be chew. insufferable. It would be terrible. Could you imagine the hosts? They would be like a. Most hosts are up to eleven. They would be up to twenty. Be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they would be what was in that? that great flavoring, man? It's insane. Um, I've been. I think I just keep shoving gum in my mouth. They give me more gum. I just. Oh, is this good? Is this good for everybody? We got gummy me? Tommy in the corner. Say hi, gummy Tommy. <laughs> 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 He's got the biggest piece of gum in his mouth, right? Still now. chewing it, record holder. He's been chewing it for ten years, and you know what? We gotta salute this man. <laughs> oh, wrong button. Wrong it'd button. It'd be the worst show in the the world. But you know what's not the worst show in the world? I hope we're second worst. We second might city. listen after this. After this intro, I don't. I don't know that anybody's stuck around this far to even figure out what the worst is. All right. They were good chips. We have to salute were- you, the listeners, <laughs> if, you, if you stuck around through Will's little munch fest. I enjoyed my little chip break. Will but wasn't anyway. even chewing any of those in the pre-show. <laughs> we were chatting for a solid 15, 20 I minutes did. before we started recording. He did. He had the chips off screen. Because I knew you would mention them if I had. What do you? Uh, I can't. Like, oh, I would roast bag you. Of you course. Go, what are you doing? I, I would roast I had you. to have them ready. Yes. Yeah, that's preparation for the podcast. I'm always doing What kind of chips are we talking about here? For all my segments, because I'm still doing the intro, <laughs> we kind of interrupted it. All of the segments that you and I bring to you, we dumpster dive our way through the internet. We get all those good comedy morsels from all your favorite websites, like Wikipedia, Amazon, etc. We make our own segments. We make our own way in this world. Did you introduce yourself? I'm Will Kane, and I'm, I'm a crunchy boy. Ooh. I'm Theo Sabacos, and I'm that chip that like fell in some water, and you're like, I don't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't eat this, but I'm gonna be ashamed of it, and I'm gonna do it. That's me. That's me. You I'm eat the so- it? I'm the soggy chip. I think there's a lot of other things that if it fell into my water, I would kind of go, okay, and then like get it out uh-huh. real quick. Like if I could, if it's big enough, I feel uh-huh. like it's tiny. I feel like I feel worse about it. Uh-huh. And a chip is absolutely going to just immediately be soggy. Immediately get. Get your drinks uh, salty, uh huh, and then float to the top and like a mat, like a a, a sail on the water. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's there. me. That's me. I'm Theo Spock. That's, that's me. That's me. That's yeah. That's the chip. That's me. That's a spooky thought. That is a spooky thought. That's a spooky thought right there. And this is going to go into Will's stupid thought, which is also, I mean, it's not spooky in itself, but it was brought on because of spooky circumstances. Ooh. I spooky normal activity at a haunted house <laughs> this weekend and it was a very do. fun time. It was um <laughs> it's a very ambitious haunted house because it takes place in a elementary school. Okay. 
That's a pretty. So, that's a pretty spooky scenario. Oh, ooh, learning. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> You're learning a little bit of uh, multiplication. Ooh, ten ooh. ghosts times three ghosts. How many ghosts? How much plasma do you have? Ooh, ooh. only place that you would have giant posters made by children on the walls. <laughs> that's in the biggest. I want big paper again to, in, paper. to have my face. We didn't treasure it yeah. enough. No, we didn't. But. It was a very fun, it was very over-engineered because it's headed up by a bunch of retired engineers who, mm-hmm. like, do a weirdly good job because they make, like, themed parts. So it begins with Jurassic Park, where they had a John Hammond, like, kind of look-alike <laughs> in, like, the <laughs> costume. And he would do the the bit about, like, oh, it was in the amber. And he tells the, every single tour group. Do you think about the plot of Jurassic Park basically? Do you think and that then if says, you get, all right, this is the tour guide. If you get cast as John Hammond, are you like, do I need to reevaluate my priorities? <laughs> I, I did. Uh, like, I'm not quite chubby enough like, or have a long enough beard for Santa, but I'm like, I'm getting there. I did say, to, ooh, before all the spooky things of an eccentric billionaire. Like, I would joke with people uh-huh. and do little ghost bits because I was dressed up as a skeleton to be an usher, which was basically pushing people through. Did people think not... your ghost bits were funny or was it just for you? Oh, absolutely. It was Well, it was also for me, but it was people did laugh. People chuckled because you're not going to get a lot of comedy. It's supposed in... to be scary, Will. What are you doing? You're doing your little comedy act in front of the kids? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not I, the I right, do... no, the place and the time. This isn't the fun house. This is it the is. spook haunted house. It was spooky haunted house. But it is did have good production values because they had a full gate, like electrified gate that had a big hole in it. And wow. then like I, you would go into this box because we were being chased by a T-Rex and it had TVs like because they made a actual little house or like a little box thing. And then the T-Rex rammed into it. And it actually like had a piston that made the thing shift. Oh, spooky! And yeah, and then they had. Then you would just immediately go to Hogwarts. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, what? No, no transition. Don't worry I, about I would, it. All right, we we, I, we got bored with Jurassic Park. We were done doing stunts and props for that one, so we're just yeah. moving along. So we, <laughs> so in that has a different cart that. Like they had as the Hogwarts Express the last time I went there, but this time it was the car when they're from Harry Potter. So you got to get out of your Jurassic Jeep and walk around and get in the Dursley's blue old junk car. Because you're being threatened by spiders, except the problem Uh was it didn't work half the time. Uh, (laughs) Much like the Dursley's actual car. It did not work half the time. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) to improv and it was very awkward improv. Because they're like, Ron, did you put enough gas in the car? That's Ooh, not scary. No. <laughs> Ron's dumbassery is not scary. It's just negligent. <laughs> I would, I would, if there were a lot of adults there, I'd break the tension by going, ooh, the spookiest thing of all, technical difficulties. Let's uh, keep moving. Like, let's keep moving. But you have to, like, push people through. Um, and then there's a fun time that they give you, like, 3D glasses and they had paint on the wall and it was, like, chroma death depth so it like looked like the shapes were moving kind of no need okay but it was a lovely time uh it was also funny that they had a john hammond guy because the guy who runs the haunted house every year is a retired guy who sold a product to microsoft and got like millions from it like he just was one of those tech pioneers yeah so he's chilling and he looks and it is John Hammond. He's the rich, <laughs> like he's doing. He's the rich entrepreneur. He's doing exactly the thing. This. Exactly yeah, the so thing. Yeah. yeah, he's doing we it. We have John Hammond, like in real life, and we have a different person playing John Hammond. Amazing. It was just funny to me. But I talked to a bunch of people, and the theme of the the week or the weekend was people not giving me their life stories, but giving me way too much detail about their recent life around COVID. Were you hanging out a bunch of like retirees Middle-aged or near, women, near yeah. retirees? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so, most that that's a whole category of people. You should have gotten into it knowing that that was what you're going to get. Oh yeah, I mean I was kind of warned, but everyone was very nice to me and it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> like but they were very like weirdly open where they're like, "Let me tell you about I this." I haven't talked I'm to a, a young man in in 40 years. It's time to open listen, up. I'm going to talk about my my car accident and my back injury, and then I started teaching again right as COVID happened, and then it was like a whole, and I was like, Jesus. Please, lady, <laughs> calm down. I'm here to, like, I'm here to delight the kids. fans. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but this leads to Will's stupid thought. This is an extended is like, way oh to God, get there. This is quite the ramp. Yeah. Um, 
do you think that people's social skills have uh, gone back to a weird baseline? That we've because reset, we've recalibrated to a weird place. Yeah. In the getting to getting back to know you world. I do. And I also, definitely feel like I had a period where I was flummoxed by by daily interaction for a while there. But I think I've recalibrated mm. to a fairly normal place. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people can judge me. If uh, if you've encountered me and think I need need a little firmer grip on reality, reach <laughs> out. Tell me, <laughs> please. What, firmer grip on reality? What is it? You, you think you're losing it? You think you're losing it? Do you think that you're just like walking down the street in a suit and tie, just like I'm having a great day, I'm and everyone just seems just like an insane, like mumbling man would just, just covered in dirt, <laughs> just like hey, we're having a wonderful day. <laughs> Listen, I did just buy an Afro wig, so you know I'm I'm set for it. I'm here to look weird. I'm here to look we- yeah. look weird and have fun. Yeah, the, I mean, <laughs> you bought it. Not gonna. Not going to add any context? No, that? we're not going to add any context. I think the people, some people have adjusted back normally. I think it's taking longer for others. Mm. I, I mean, my second question was going to be, how are you doing? And you already answered that. Because I do, I think we <laughs> entered a weird limbo space because everyone just kind of, COVID is not over. Like it's no. not, <laughs> people no, it's said not. it's, I mean, it's we're going into a weird remission, but people are still dying from it. But everyone just kind of decided like, nah. There not. was a several month period over the summer where I really didn't think about COVID at all. And now it's creeping back up and I'm like, ah, yes, the old anxiety. Mm. Hello, my mm. friend. Hello I'm there. I'm surprised amigo. that you, I mean, I went to Iceland and nobody had masks because they only had like a tiny thing of COVID because they're just a little insular. Yeah. Same anxiety. for Norway where it was like their population was so vaccinated that everyone was just chilling. But I do, I feel like maybe it's, I think. Because I did a lot of like online meetings and also I interviewed like multiple times <laughs> during COVID, um, I feel like that kept me sharp and kept you sharp. And also doing this, yeah, yeah, it kept me sharp. <laughs> and also doing the podcast, kept me sharp, kind of. But it would, <laughs> I mean, other people might you say opposite. yourself <laughs> sharp. I think you have a little weird manic sharp. energy about you. Is that what you're calling sharp? <laughs> I have gotten eccentric. <laughs> that is a, what do you mean? Way that I've described. <laughs> Listen, we started doing the podcast before <laughs> before COVID, the yeah. COVID, so I would say people have seen my eccentricity was there. It was there the whole time. It was, but it's becoming more pronounced. You know, it's. <laughs> I think it is helping me as a person. It's helping you. Serving as an think, advantage in the real world. Yeah. Because then people are like, ooh, I'm going to tell this guy part of my life story. I think that's oh, a wait, disadvantage. I, I look like I don't <laughs> give a shit about your life story. And it's it's working to my advantage. Yeah. But I also, I don't know. <laughs> people like me. I'm a cool <laughs> guy, right? right I've, said this, I've said this before. Right, I don't think I've said it on the podcast, but I, <laughs> I have a very deft hand. I'm a practice hand at getting out of mm. conversations that I have no interest in. Like, I'm really good at just excusing myself you, when I just am not interested in a conversation. This is a transition into a different topic, but I think we should talk about it. Yeah. That is, I'm, I think I'm good at trying to do it. Uh-huh. People do not pick up on that. Yeah. Ever. No. In real I, life, I, I will be I'm good at. I'm good at, I'm good at the execution of it. I'm at the, uh, the well, I gotta go now, yeah, and just exactly. walking out. <laughs> I'm good it's at the like, execution. Well. I, I'll say anyway, and then I'll just like start trying to go, and people continue talking to me, and I'm just like, I got, can I, can we <laughs> stop it? I'm good at that last little. It's that extra ten percent where you have to just burst their bubble and walk away. It's I saw a thing. Apparently, that's a white person thing to do, which is the whelp. Well, we gotta, <laughs> yeah, you gotta wrap it, legs. you gotta wrap it, because I can't take a hint. You know what else is a white person legs. Not taking a hint. <laughs> I I am very bold when I don't want to like when I want a meeting to be done where I'll go ooh meeting adjourned like <laughs> the earliest adjourned. I think I can because people start like talking to each other and I'm just like I'm out of I'm here out. I don't want this but, but people do not pick up on that but I hope we do pick up on you should pick up on my on my next segment. next segment yeah well canonically speaking in terms of the release of this episode we are post post uh post-Halloween, pre-Thanksgiving. So it's time to talk about our biggest Thanksgiving fears, according to Butterball, the turkey company, <laughs> courtesy Wait, of the what? takeout. 
our biggest fears. Our hmm, biggest Thanksgiving fears. This is brought to you by the takeout. Of course. Thank you, takeout. Is this going to be, what is the, the it's going to be a list of one thing, which is encountering your racist aunt. Like, that's the only mm, thing I fear for Thanksgiving. Your... The rest is <laughs> napping. I go, okay, never, number two, one and a half is uh, having, being forced to watch football. Do you think there's a business opportunity for me to teach people how to get out of uncomfortable conversations? Do you think that's anything? No, because th- <laughs> it's not the problem of people getting out of the conversations. It's other people picking up that they don't want to be in the conversation. No, listen, you're you're putting way too much emphasis on them picking it up. It is on you to end the no, conversation. Okay. <laughs> it is up to you to extradite yourself. It is Theo, o- I- only you can prevent yourself from being bored to, <laughs> to the point of tears. Theo, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. You have been leaving. You just walked away from conversation. <laughs> and you know what? My life, my life quality has gone up exponentially. <laughs> That <laughs> you do be like you do do the well before you do well. I sometimes I notice you at parties just kind of fade away if you don't like. I can tell when you're not interested, but I'm like, hey, tell me about some weird shit because that's what I'm always hoping from from conversations. Well, this is going to be a weird conversation. This is mm. article. Let me start it off. Here we go. It might not be. Uh, this this was written before Halloween. It might not yet be Halloween, but experts at the Butterball Turkey Talk Line have been preparing for this moment for months. The famous Thanksgiving-centric hotline officially own, opens November 1st, and Butterball's team of experts will be standing by to talk you through the process of buying a Thanksgiving turkey, cooking it, and safely storing any leftovers. More than anything, however, <laughs> they'll be standing by story? to comfort you. Oh, comfort me. Oh, thank you. In this trying time. Quote, we've been doing, we've been, I got to do it. We've been doing this for 41 years and provide a lot of emotional support to people, says Butterball Turkey Talk Line expert Bill Nolan, who answers calls from uncertain cooks every November as they navigate their Thanksgiving spreads. Well, is this something that you're aware of? The fact that Butterball, the company, puts has a helpline? Help. Help me. I don't think the fact that people have the presence of mind, <laughs> call, I feel like that's a, a distinctly American thing to do, which is like, call the fire who, department. Who do I no, call? We're going to call the corporation. We're going to call the Butterball. They know. They, the fact that they call it Butterball and also the fact that they're, they, I mean, they have the the facts and figures to say that people are dumb enough to not be able to store their leftovers safely. No, where they're like, enough. yeah, it's been sitting out for uh, what's it been, Cletus? Three weeks? Is that we bad? have no other okay. way to get information. Pick up the phone, call Butterball. <laughs> call Butterball. Like, what? Did they not do any research? No research. They just have a turkey and they're like, what do, uh, what do we do? This year, Butterball is kicking things off early by giving away free comfort calendars from October 24th to 26th. The calendars function as a countdown to the feast on November 24th, offering 24 days of expert advice and emotional support for an amazing Thanksgiving. Is Nolan, is- that was in quotes, so that is their own marketing <laughs> language. Nolan Butterball. gave us the inside look at Butterball's approach to encouraging home cooks everywhere. Here, here begins the question and answer from, from their interview. Question. Oh, wonderful. How did you become a turkey talk line expert? Bill Nolan. <laughs> this is my no, sixth that's... year on the talk line. In our world, I'm a little bit of a new guy. Our average tenure is about 16 years. My background is culinary. I'm a chef by trade, and I'm also a chef educator. I don't cook for money okay. anymore. I'm past that. <laughs> Good for you, Bill. Good for you. He's not for in a it. simple turkey. <laughs> they offered we, me cold hard cash, and I said, "You know what? The the economic system in this country, capitalism, it's all a sham. I'm past that. We're past that. We're past we blew that. Past the comfort calendar, by the way, which I I'm going to assume mm-hmm. is an advent calendar that has little bits of turkey. Little bits it. of ooh, is that what's that cranberry <laughs> sauce? Ooh, that's a little ooh, Brussels a little sprouts. Mm, give me that. <laughs> it's, it's like the jelly beans that every once in a while you're like, oh, that's a, that's a gravy. <laughs> it's not very good right oh, now. Oh no, oh no, that's my aunt, aunt's onions she brings every year. I hate those. What a sad life somebody would live if they're crossing out things for for Thanksgiving, you which know, is well, don't a judge. great holiday, but don't it judge. is like don't judge. High it horse, is meal much. plus two. High horse. If somebody, will. okay, you're saying a person who's just like, five more days <laughs> the, the most comforting day of the, the year. The most wonderful day of the whole year. Uh, he continues, I do a lot of instruction and education. I'm one of the supervisors on the talk line. We have a staff of about 50 people, all seasonal employees. It's a fun place to work. Good for you. It's all it's all volunteers. Volunteers out here making the butter yeah, ball, ball world go around. 
I don't think he gets to say that. I want to hear from a volunteer where they're just like, I think you know, he's a, no, he's a volunteer a, as well. He's a volunteer. No, but he's a manager. He's, he's, a, he's above us. <laughs> he's, he's, he's outgrown his, his human he's skin. He's beyond, he's transcended money. He has transcended <laughs> the economic powers that be. I shall teach you. He's got, he has the, he is, he's a middle manager. The only currency is turkey. Fried, roasted, <laughs> delicious. It does not matter. Do you think he's like the guy from Whiplash where <laughs> somebody is taking a call and he's just like, what did you say to them for the temperature? You said 400. You know that that's going to dry it out with the time that you gave them. He's like in the kitchen with his like little nephew and he's like, you're dicing the carrots when I told you to julienne them. <laughs> just throws a symbol across the room. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> the kid's like five years old. So like, I'm, I can do better. Takeout says, when did you ge- when do you gear up for the season? Bill says, gear up. we start planning stage from the supervisor's standpoint in about June. Then it really gears up around <laughs> September. Right now, we're really in our heavy training mode. So, Will, when you joke that someone has been thinking about Thanksgiving for 24 days these people on the talk line are gearing up for six fucking months it's their business it is literally they're the volunteers they- <laughs> <laughs> do you think that they use they're, the same it's business the, for practice? the love of the game they think about thanksgiving for a full half of the calendar year for the love of the game they love it yeah for it okay you are right in terms of people are fucking <laughs> insane or they're they just really like turkey but they're just divorced from the <laughs> they really like the idea of turkey yeah, I guess. Okay. Tagout says, T- tell us about the history of Butterball's talk line. Bill says, we've been in business for 41 years. It started out with six home eco- uh, economists and grew from there. In 1981, it was a Rolodex and a phone. It was antiquated. Now, of course, our reference materials are digital. You can text an email and we're on Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> give me the Butterball boys. <laughs> Alexa, I set the oven on fire calling Butterball right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Alexa. You're a nice lady in a little box. A little <laughs> Once box. again, I am not a thank little Thank you. Lady. I love turkey. I'm here Ooh. to eat turkey. I've transcended the economy. Uh, but our phones are still at the heart of the talk line. People want to talk to a human being. When you need help, <laughs> you need help. We hired our first male in 2013. What a weird thing to say. What? A, yeah, what to flaunt it? Like, I don't know. It's <laughs> to be like we got our first man in 2013. Maybe not. Maybe that's not a weird thing to say. Now there well, are six it, of us. It was also like nine years ago. What a weird thing to be like. Nine years ago, we did a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought okay, that cool. you know it was just like hiring people indiscriminately if they knew things about Turkey. But what do I know? Now there are yeah. six of us, and it's growing. You have to. Uh, you have to have a food background to work here. You need to have some real training and a degree in something food related. We have dietitians, oh chefs, God. graduates of culinary schools, food stylists, culinary educators. That... We're all foodies <laughs> in our own way, and we bring some professional it's... experience. Oh, that feels sad. That feels like an artist who is like now just like who paints apartments. Like <laughs> it doesn't feel great. That you it have just... to, you have to have a degree. What what? What curveballs? I guess they are expecting curveballs of just like, well, you see, I loaded it with a bunch of uh, nitroglycerin. What? <laughs> I hear it seals in the flavor. That's me. I'm a seven-year graduate of Butterball Institute. Usually you graduate in three months. It took me a couple of times. <laughs> uh, takeout asks, so when a call comes in, is it routed to whomever would be the best expert? Bill says, no, everyone should every, no, everyone should have the tools in their toolbox to answer the calls. They have the resources. Oh, they have the resources at their finger, fingertips and supervisors to help if they need to, if they need it. So what you're telling me is they have access to google.com. Yes. <laughs> is that all you're I'm saying not, to me? And they have I'm, a supervisor that says, "Have you tried going to google.com?" <laughs> <laughs> I like that they're not siloed. So the, it's not like, well, I'm transferring you to gravy. I'm transferring you to cranberry sauce. <laughs> Please hold for turducken while I connect you. <laughs> it's just one very fat man who's just like, well, like oh, you So you're approaching the gauntlet. Well, let me pre- prepare you now. You are not prepared. <laughs> if, if the saying, never trust a skinny chef, 
is true, then <laughs> never trust a fat, just a baseline like fat Turduncan <laughs> chef. He needs to be on you my side. You Turduncan fan, and I love that for you. I'm just a big <laughs> fan. I'm just loving it. I'm a it. big fan of it. <laughs> he continues, a lot of questions are narrowed into a small area. How do I thaw my turkey? How big of a turkey should I buy? What, then, when it gets into handholding or emo, then it gets into handholding or emotional support. Believe it or not, <laughs> it's a lot of emotional support because of the stress involved in the holidays. People get extremely stressed out. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Their turkey isn't thawed, and they're freaking out. I always say, lower the temperature, not of the oven, the temperature mm. of the stress level, and talk it through. Hey, Bill, <laughs> that's pretty confusing <laughs> advice, and I think you know it. I think. <laughs> You know it. Your one job is, is to give a, a, give advice, and you'd say lower the temperature. That's the language you're gonna use. <laughs> Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Listen, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. Okay, you just need to lower the temperature. Got it. Beep. No, that's not what I meant. That's just the first step. I love that. It's like a bomb defusal where they're just like, all right, you got to what? How many wires do we got? How many tendons? <laughs> Almost everything can be remedied, and if it can't be remedied, then you buy another turkey, or you go out to eat, but 19 times out of 20, we can remedy the situation. 95% success rate for, for Bill here. Pretty, pretty, pretty Ooh. good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Takeout asks, do certain calls come in waves? Bill says, <laughs> yeah, it goes through cycles. First, should I buy a fresher frozen turkey? Then it goes into how to thaw. Then when we get close, how do I cook this turkey? And then immediately following Thanksgiving, it's what do I do with the leftovers? <laughs> if every, <laughs> someone calls it every leftovers? every phase, they're it's like, sir, you're not prepared to be hosting Thanksgiving. You <laughs> yeah, called us exactly. four times at each stage. Maybe pass it off to your brother. Just let him have it. He knows what he's doing. For the leftovers thing, do they say, fuck if I know? Like, what do you, there's only so many <laughs> okay, things. Okay, first like, off, they want how the much Tupperware do you have? Okay, no Tupperware. All right, do you have a fridge? <laughs> okay, no fridge. All right. I got so. an old Burger King bag. Is that going to be enough? No. <laughs> Takeout asks, there's a lot wrapped up in Thanksgiving. I've hosted before and I understand what you mean. Bill says, it's stressful. People ask, how do I prepare? I say, make a checklist. If you have a plan, you can enjoy the day more. In professional cooking, we have a term. Mise en place. Have everything in its place. As <laughs> I think for the average customer, he starts talking, speaking in French, and they're like, I'm out. I can't. <laughs> Sacre bleu, my friend. Cordon bleu. Cordon bleu, my friend. <laughs> you, you have to have everything in its place, and you won't have surprises. So we're lowering the stress level. Then he goes into great deep felt. He goes into great detail about thawing about thawing the turkey. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> one of the great. things he okay. says is, we created this Butterball Turkey talk line, talk line comfort calendar, and my favorite day is on November 17th, National Thaw Day. It's one day ahead of Thanksgiving. It's one week ahead of Thanksgiving. It's when you put you can put your turkey in the refrigerator to thaw it. I just... Why do... Is this national? exclusively for old people? National? Is, this is... Because every other person that is under the age of... I'm going to say 60, 70 even, mm -hmm. is going to Google this like a normal person because it's static information. It's <laughs> it not is. like it's changing. They're, they're on Alexa. So people that are technologically in involved enough to know that they can ask Alexa, but not sophisticated enough to know that they can Google things. But I, do old people in Alexa mix well? Because I feel like they'd be like, <laughs> Alexander, hey, Alexander. <laughs> Please tell me this fact, a riddle. You, Alejandro, get the butterball and put it on. Put it on the Alexa on the TV for me. I'm sorry. What was that? Uh, I said <laughs> Alejandro. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're speaking louder. Listen, uh, I wish Alexa had like a stumbling. Just like, listen, I'm trying to help you. Okay, can you right, just right. talk and stop screaming at me, please? So last question is, tell me more about the Butterball Comfort Calendar. Bill says, people can go online and put their more. name in to get a calendar <laughs> sent to them October 24th through 26th. They're neat. You get a different hint every day. And there are a lot of cooking tips, but it's actually a lot of emotional support. Don't forget to breathe. <laughs> get ready to cook. Get, get a book for 20 minutes today. Go, oh, go read a book for 20 minutes today. We've been doing this for 41 years to provide a lot of emotional support to people and we put our experience of those 41 years in the calendar. He really is like you are not 
You have not gone to enough therapy yeah, to I cook <laughs> a turkey. All right. I'm but sorry. This I'm is here not the... for you with my calendar. We aren't coming back from World War One trenches. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? People are like, I can't do it. They're like in the corner. It's like, I will talk you off this ledge right now. Like, what? What's trauma are they doing? I know it's, it's stressful. Really, like, it's I, really bringing I up some horrible memories. I have not hosted, but I know it's stressful. It's also like, I don't know. It's as stressful as any big meal, but it's not like it's it is one that everybody does. But it it, I didn't know big, it was yeah. this stress inducing. You yeah, you weren't prepared for it. Frankly, none no. of us were according to Bill. I don't know. <laughs> this isn't the downfall. Like they're talking <laughs> like they're they're in bunkers, just like you're not ready for when society collapses and you don't know what temperature to put your turkey in. Like what, what are we doing here? <laughs> now, troops, when that cargo bay door opens, I want you to get out your guns and just start basting as much as you can, <laughs> as fast as you can. Make sure you get the oven temperature right. And do not forget to put the stuffing in the turkey before you put your grenade in there. Wait, I'm, I'm getting my wi- wires crossed. Sir, what? Sir, I, I got it in my eyes. I held it backwards. Medic! Medic! <laughs> <laughs> These people are just in a blind panic. People are constantly We're entering in a blind, a blind panic. panic. I hope we can rush with a blind panic into your next in, segment. Speaking of just kind of blind in, in, I guess not physically, but in terms mentally. Because this is a Wikipedia historian about a famous what you, hoax. What do you mean? Men, what is mental blindness? This what is, is that? It's a mean? hoax. It's a trickery. I don't know. I was it's trying. Tr- to- <laughs> I'm doing my best, dude. Fuck. All right, all right. It's a hoax. It's a trick. It's a hoax. It's a hoax. It's a prank, dude. It's just a prank, dude. It's just a prank, and this was a pretty good prank. This is the Wikipedia article about grunge speak. Grunge speak. Yeah. What do you think grunge speak is? I mean, it is kind of on the tin. The only, <laughs> the only application of the word grunge that I know is referring to like people music. dressing grungy, like grunge oh, they... mu- or grunge music, I guess. But are those, yeah, are those tied those are together? Connected. Yeah. Okay. The, All right. The, so what's it, grunge? Tell me about grunge speak. For people who don't know grunge, by the way, just listen to Nirvana. Like that's that's <laughs> they're kind of the 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 kings of grunge. But um, grunge speak was a hoax. See. Series of slang words purportedly connected to the subculture of grunge in Seattle, reported as fact in the New York Times in 1992. Huh. So this was like actually the New York Times was like, we don't understand this. (laughs) (laughs) The collection of alleged slang words were coined by a record label worker in response to a journalist asking if grunge musicians enthusiasts had their own slang terms, seeking to write a piece on the subject. So this is like the, I'm imagining the most old, out of date, out of, out of touch old man who's like, do you have any fun terms? Like we would uh, go to the soda shop, to the soda fountain. Do we, you used, have that? we used to go and do the boogaloo and it was a good rowdy time. <laughs> but this employee apparently decided that they were just going to fucking goof on everybody because they were essentially made up on the spot. There was no such vernacular among members of the grunge scene. I love this. In the terms Hi, I'm, from, were... I'm from the New York Times. Are you willing to answer questions about grunge music? Uh, yep. The, like, the fact that they also didn't understand that grunge, I mean, is like feels very sarcastic to me and just because it, it feels like you would they walked up to daria like the character from mm-hmm. the 90s and just like you want me to do what you want <laughs> me to tell you slang terms oh yeah i got you doodle like <laughs> so it's like you. fucking rattle them off uh and the terms were published were merely a prank on the news industry's tendencies to seize upon trends it was a prank bro so let's get into the background of this. The words later, later labeled grunge speak were coined by Megan Jasper, then aged 25 and working at Caroline Records. She had previously worked at for Sub Pop Records, whose co-founder Jonathan Poneman referred, uh, referred journalists to her, ostensibly for her inside knowledge of grunge, 
which I mean, that feels like a CEO who's just like, she knows about Grendry. She's one of those people. Oh, you've got this new hip gal. She knows all the grunge speak. She's always saying things like, uh, Glorpy and uh, Glorpy, yeah. <laughs> I gotta. She always says at nine thirty a.m. after she drinks her coffee, she says, "I oh, I gotta go do a Glorpy," and then she leaves for fifteen minutes. And I don't know what she's doing, but it's gotta be grunge related. <laughs> it gotta be. Uh, but also because of her prankish streak, which is weird that he referred. So he, this guy is also kind of a shit taker. He's 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 or piss taker. He knows he's that kind of, she knows that. He knows that she does pranks, and he's like, yeah, go talk to her. Yeah, go fucking talk to journalists. I don't give a shit. She was telephoned first by UK mag- magazine Sky, and later by Mick- Rick Mar- Marin for the New York Times. Poneman forewarned Jasper that Marin was seeking, quote, a lexicon of grunge. Jasper recalled Marin explaining, every subculture has a different way of speaking, and there's got to be words and phrases and things that you folks say. Jasper tested her interviewer's gullibility by supplying invented slang expressions of increasing ridiculousness. <laughs> Very good. Very good. As you do. Uh, a cover line of the September 1992 issue of Sky said, like harsh realm man, how to hang out in Seattle. <laughs> Trailed, trailing a four-page article mentioning some of Jasper's expressions. Seattle, Seattle band uh, Mudhoney saw the article while on tour in the UK and joined in the joke by reusing the terms in an interview with Melody Maker. So now this is becoming a this meme. This is very good. I like this a lot. Uh, Marin's article, Grunge, A Success Story, appeared in the New York Times on November 15th. I love that. <laughs> grunge. We, we never saw it coming, this grunge. It was always doomed to be unsuccessful until now. Meteoric rise. <laughs> I do love that it's it's like a athlete's tale like it's like the um michael jordan thing michael jordan a success story makes more <laughs> sense than grunge <laughs> success story uh appearing in the new york times on november 15th 1992 as a full page story in its sunday style section the article begins with an investigation on the origin of the term grunge and includes with a summary of grunge music and fashion Jasper's invented terms were published as a sidebar to Myron's story titled Lexicon of Grunge, Breaking the Code. Like <laughs> Hacker voice, I'm in. I broke the grunge code, and I can insert my algorithm right here, and I can be cool with all the kids. Like, it's not, we're not World War II code breakers here. We're like, we're, these kids and their slang, you have to decode it like being in foreign land. And crediting Jasper for this Lexicon of Grunge speak. The list was reprinted on the Ottawa Citizen in December. Thomas Frank was skeptical of the Times lexicon and contacted Jasper, who, quote, readily admitted the fabrication, which I would absolutely love to be a fly <laughs> on the wall in that conversation. <laughs> Did Are these um completely factually... I fucking made it up, oh, no, dude. I did all, yeah, dude, I was, dude, I, oh, dude, I was fucking Hook. ripped when I said that shit, dude. Lying in fucking sinker, dude. Like, got him. <laughs> it was just a prank, dude. It was just a prank. Uh, as Franks reported in the winter-spring 1993 issue of The Baffler, which is a great thing to reveal this kind of folks. Uh, the Baffler story was picked up by news media, including Calvin Trillin's uh, syndicated column. When the Times got back to Jasper, she initially denied Frank's claims, so the Times demanded an apology from Frank. So now <laughs> I love how they're still trusting this lady. Like, she knows what she's talking about. She's a 25-year-old, like, sarcastic grunge <laughs> record person. Like, why really would you ever believe shit. her? Uh, instead, he sent a letter standing by the story. Quote, when the newspaper of record goes searching for the next big thing and the next big thing piddles on its leg, we think that's funny. Which is qu- what? Like, what? What kind of quote is that? What? Yeah, that's a weird. I think he's basically saying, like, we can do whatever we want. Um, he considered the article to be an attempt by mainstream culture to co op the grunge scene and felt that the Times had gotten what it deserved. Jasper later explained her initial denial to a fear that Marin or Styles editor Penelope Green would be fired, which is, I guess, nice. I, it feels like a weird, weird thing to, for her to feel <laughs> for these random yeah, reporters. Weird, like, yeah. I, I didn't want him to be fired. Um, Green commented to the New York Observer, quote, our 
piece was tongue in cheek, so I guess the hoax works. But how irritating! <laughs> Which is okay. But how ooh, irritating. foiled again. Oh no. She prepared a correction, but the Times never published it, which feels very weird. But anyway, let's get into I the actual... I love that, that somebody read that article and is still using those terms because the correction was never printed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now... We yes, I need the, the lexicon. Words. Give me the lexicon. Now, do you want... Do we want to just do this where I give you the word and you try to suss out the definition? Yeah, or definitely. Do you want 100%. To just... No, no, no. Oh, okay, fine. let's do that. Okay, so... Bloated. Big bag of bloatation. Oh, man, that's when you go out for ramen and you eat way too much liquid. You get really, like, bloated, dude. And then you go see Nirvana. Only, only ramen, though. If it's yeah, wings, dude, then you really bloated. Not. No, you're you're bloated when you're drunk. Oh, you're bloated you're off ramen. <laughs> drunk off ramen. Fucking big bag of bloatation. Big <laughs> bag of bloatation. Bound and hagged. Oh, bound and hagged is when you pick up your your deli meat from the counter and it's in that bag. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're going to like put that on a sandwich. You're going to get that in like a grilled cheese and stuff, like a melt. Like that's, that's bad. <laughs> okay, and I like both of I like yours and I also like this one because the, the official one is staying home on Friday or Saturday night. <laughs> oh, bound yeah. and hagged. Yeah, bagged and hagged. What do you think a cobnobbler is? Oh, a cobnobbler is that when you swing over to that nice corn on the cob stand in that nice <laughs> summer evening and then you just throw those bad boys on the grill. Cobbed and knob. You know what I'm talking about? You know when they got one of those uh, butter things that makes it easier so you could rub the butter? Dude, <laughs> it's like a cobnobbler. Holster for the butter, and you could get it out there. No, it's a loser. It's just a regular uh, oh. loser. What's a dish? A dish? Other uh, than being a plate. <laughs> dish. I was going to say a plate. Oh, uh, no, dish. A uh, dish is like a fat bong, dude. <laughs> <laughs> fat bong, just a big chode of a dog. Yeah, dude, it's a dish, dude. It's a dish, dude. No, it's a desirable guy. Ooh, he's oh, a, dish. It's a dish. What's fuzz? Oh, fuzz is when, uh, when it's... I, I can... Try to give you in a sentence. Yeah, give me a sentence. Man, she's wearing some fuzz, even though it's hot out. Oh man, that's when uh, when the girl forgets to shave that peach fuzz off her upper lip. She's got what fuzz, <laughs> dude. Uh, you have facial hair. You know <laughs> that's facial fuzz, hair. my guy. <laughs> it's heavy wool sweaters, which uh. is super specific. <laughs> Why would they even be talking? <laughs> yeah, you know, we talk about it so much, we need a shorthand for heavy wool sweaters. Peach fuzz. Okay. Now, what's harsh realm? Could you use it in a sentence for me? Oh, don't be such a harsh realm, dude. Oh, man. Don't be... Don't be such a stickler for doing homework all the time, dude. <laughs> Harsh realm, my guy. I like the little like moment of pause as you're like, ooh, how am I going to fuck this one up? <laughs> let's, let's really... <laughs> no, it's, it's a harsh realm is a bummer, dude. A uh, bummer about homework. What are kickers? Are those, oh, those shoes? Those are boot, heavy boots. Oh, uh, okay, all right. I didn't have What's a boot a, for that one. What's a lame stain? Lame stain? Can you use it in a sentence for me? <laughs> Charlie is such a lame stain. He does all of his homework and he's constantly being a harsh realm about it. Oh, dude, like someone who's successful in school and has a bright future in front of them. <laughs> lame High stain. academic achievement. Yeah, dude. So he's got a bright future. Now, a lame stain is an uncool person. Oh, damn. What are plats, dude? Sentence, please, my guy. She went on onto the seventies dance form in her plats. I mean, <laughs> the platform shoes. That seems pretty <laughs> obvious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't gonna fuck that one up. So <laughs> it's also rock on. Is that just rock on? I mean, if they've twisted that yeah. one, I don't know. <laughs> it it says a happy goodbye, but that's also like yeah. <laughs> I imagine some eighty year old being like, "Oh, that's what that means." Rock on, grandkids. <laughs> it's it's funny because half of these are kind of real things, like score. Like it kind of score. Can you guess what score is, dude? Ha, score, man! You got them to buy you beer. Like nice. Yeah, great. It's. <laughs> this is this is where 
she goes from normal to just absolutely <laughs> wild. Swinging on the flippity flop. Swinging on the <laughs> flippity flop. This is me actually genuinely trying to decode this. Like, like, I'll see you around. I'll see you next time. Swinging on the flippity flop. Oh, yeah, it's hanging out. Oh, hey, are you guys swinging on the flippity flop? <laughs> oh, no. it's, oh. so, it's so much longer. It's than so the many English. more syllables. What is? What do you think a tom tom club is? Can I have a sentence? <laughs> you see all those guys over there? They're such a tom tom club, like a boys a boys club. Nah, dude, it's an it's uncool outsiders. Obviously, <laughs> oh, Tom dude, Tom obviously. Oh, you know a, Tom Tom. I'm he's such, such a, a fucking he's lemon so cool stain, and also whatever it was. And also, we're xenophobic, dude. Oh Fuck shit! Yeah. And then what's some what's wax slacks? Wax wax slacks, dude. That's when you go to Madame Dressos and you like nab those pants off one of those dolls, dude. Then you got those wax <laughs> slacks. My you God, those, you got those terrifying slacks. <laughs> No, they're old ripped jeans. Uh, Jasper also offered tuna platter. Tuna platter? It's like when you have guests over and you realize you forgot to get cheese and crackers and all you have is is all of that tuna. For that actual tuna platter. Yeah, tuna platter. Keep opening cans, honey. (laughs) It's all we have. I just bought 14 cans of tuna. It's all they had. (laughs) No, it's, it's a hot date. A tuna platter? If a girl referred to me as a tuna platter, I'd be like, that's it. I'm out. I'm flattered, but I'm out. <laughs> but anyway, in, in regard to that, that not appeared in the article. So that's the only thing the tuna platter where they're like, mm, I don't think, <laughs> I don't, know about I don't want one. any hot dates in the New York Times, but we can talk about all these platform shoes. I remember those. But anyway, those are the grunge speak words. And I hope that we could just absolutely follow this cobnobbler as he takes us into the harsh realm of his next segment. Yeah, dude, welcome to my harsh, my harsh <laughs> realm. Also, I, I know that that's not the grunge accent. We're doing like California hunks <laughs> or whatever. Like, but it's the best we can do. It's the best we can do. All right. I'm, I'm not grungy enough for this segment, which means yeah. I have to abandon ship. Come on down to Palisade, Nevada. You ever heard Palisade, Nevada? <laughs> All the way from Seattle, we are going down to Palestine. Palisade, Nevada. Pal- is it Palestine? Is it because I know a lot no, of no Palisade. Like, I didn't say Palestine, pa- Nevada. <laughs> what are you talking? No, about? I thought I thought it was just like there's a lot of places that they'll be like, this is not London. This is London. Like, oh no, this is a full separate London. So this is a this is a Wikipedia historian about Palisade, Nevada, which was Ooh. one of the one of kind of a wacky history to this town. This comes to us from gbcnv.edu thanks for your patronage i they have a very we old have an website edu, a so, edu, edu so, you know, for, so you know it's credible folks it is stop credible. asking we, my, <laughs> for all of our sources we can't give them up palisade nevada was known as the roughest toughest town west of chicago in the 1870s newspapers over the nation carried news of senseless killings editors penned reams of text about the waste of human life and begged town or county law enforcers to clean up the evil hamlet on the central pacific railroad line their pleadings fell on deaf ears violence gunfire and specter of death reigned on the streets of palisade for three long years in the first reported incident frank west was leaning against a a corral fence down by the (laughs) down by the railroad depot when the noon train from the east uh, ground to a hissing stop. Passengers stepped from the cars to eat lunch. Alvin Kittleby approached Frank. West saw him coming. <laughs> Stiffened, took his cigarette from his mouth and dropped it to the ground. His cold eyes watched Alvin until the two were within pistol range. There you are, you low-down polecat, screamed Al. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. I'm gonna kill you for what you've done to my poor little sister. Saying nothing, Franklin, Frank knitted his brow, put on a feral grin, and quickly drew his revolver. Cocking it, he took careful aim and fired. Pew! Kittleby clutched his chest, screamed in agony, and fell to the dusty street. He writhed in pain for the last two or three seconds of his life. Women screamed and fainted. Men ran in all directions, most to hide behind any handy barrier. Several approached poor Alvin's still body, gently picked him up and carried the lifeless bundle to the nearest saloon. Others quickly disarmed West and dragged him, kicking and screaming, to jail. 
Over in seconds. Oh, I'm going to heat up my porch this time. Oh, that's it. I really busted him this time. Over in seconds, the battle must have lasted for what seemed like hours to the frightened train passengers. None seemed to have an appetite left for the most weakly claim, uh, climbed, climbed back into the cars. Few had the guts to look out the windows. Some, still shaken by the steam, scene they had witnessed crouched the floors and behind seats. They all breathed a collective sigh of relief when the engineer signaled with the whistle that the train was ready to leave. When the caboose disappeared behind the first curve of the t- the first curve of the town, people from Palisade began laughing and continued to guffaw gaff- for three more years. This was their first performance, an act they put on for tenderfoot rail travelers more than 1,000 times before the tiring of the joke. Yep, what? the whole town was in on the drama. Wes what? was a tall, good-looking cowhand from a nearby ranch, and Kittleby was the resident agent and buyer for cattle company. Variations on the original hoax continued. Sometimes there was a bank robbery and a noisy oh shootout God. between the sheriff, his posse, and the robbers. Oh my God. <laughs> Another time, local Shoshones were hired or drafted oh. to massacre the town people, especially those near the depot. The massacre was a full-fledged production, taking 10 minutes and a gallon of, <laughs> and a gallon of beef blood from the slaughterhouse. They're doing Westworld? <laughs> They're acoustic doing... Acoustic version? For train passengers going by. What just to fuck with people? <laughs> just to fuck with people. It's so good. <laughs> I do. I, I was gonna make a joke about. I'm. He stopped and he didn't say anything. And then he looked at him and he said, "I'm Frank West and I'm a reporter. <laughs> I'm a war reporter. And man, I'm gonna get this story. I'm gonna get that's this a, story out there. That's a Dead Rising joke for everybody. Uh-huh. And yeah, there you go. I'm waiting for my applause." And it's not going to happen. During the three years Palisade people indulged in pretend violent episodes, not one real crime was committed. In fact, the town was so law-abiding and peace-loving that the local Eureka County Department had nothing to do. (laughs) Well, I'll be, I said we found a Eureka on on the proclamation that crimes will and do happen. And wouldn't you know it, Eureka, we found none. (laughs) <laughs> we've investigated ourselves and we found more crimes in our ranks <laughs> we don't know what we're doing <laughs> truth I, is we're just stealing from the co- people this time because there's nothing to report you you would think it would be relaxing and a very nice job but I just wish people would start absolutely fucking murdering <laughs> please give me something to do Truth was, joshing the emigrants traveling west was a common pastime. Usually the actors were boys from the saloons who concocted magnificent con jobs to rattle tourists. On April 7th, 1880, a westbound passenger train stopped in Elko. A few local barflies put their heads together. They'd headed for the depot, snickering all the way. Putting on a straight face, one ran over to the train conductor, waving a fake telegraph message. Breathless, he gasped. I just received this from my brother who was a little... who has a little spread a few miles this side of Carlin. He says the Indians have broke loose and are playing hell with the settlers at the Blue Horse Gulch. They are scalping women and children and heading this way. <laughs> Train passengers inf- uh, infiltrated with local wags mobbed the two men asking them what they should do. Another jokester ran into the cow and told them he had some this companions who this had is... captured by the Indians. He took off his hat, this held it to his heart, and sa- <laughs> sadly said half of his group had been lost. Oh my God. He, he then burst into tears and sobbed, poor little Jimmy. I saw him shot and scalped right before my eyes. Jesus <laughs> fuck, dude. That's so fucking morbid. Holy shit. On the verge of panic, passengers begged the conductor to delay the train to Elko until the Indian trouble was over. Pulling out his watch and glancing at the time, he told them, the company has rules and the train must go on. I suggest you all arm yourselves and anybody else in the family who can are shoot. Are you fucking kidding me? They're like handing out <laughs> guns for... And then yes. Like the people they're who are like, being like, they're going to get them go. so good. They're armed now. It's going to go great. <laughs> <laughs> that did it. The passengers were ready to take over the train, even if by force. With a straight and serious face, he put on an arm-bending sales pitch, promising he would back the train back to Elko at the first sign of Indian trouble. With this reassurance, the reluctant tourists climbed back into the cars and began cleaning and checking their weapons. With great clouds of steam spewing from both sides of the engine, the train picked up speed and chugged off into the sunset. When the train was out of sight, a small band of men with smug grins stood in front of the front of the depot. Suddenly, uncontrollable laughter replaced their smiles. Pleased by their horseplay, the group adjoined, adjourned to the nearest watering hole to toast their success in scaring the hell out of scores of tender feet from back east. My God. These people are... These poor ab- people. 
I, these people are psychopaths. I mean, once I started actually hearing that, because like, I mean, it's pretty morbid when you're like everybody's getting beef blood on them and like, in the streets. But when they're like, the battle's been lost, and the women and children they they have not survived, and they are screaming. Their screams are going to live in my brain for the rest of my life. You better. It's just crazy because I feel like, like that's one one much. group of people doing this can turn turn like this into fact for the people who have like this must have oh, we heard this happen at the time like it's crazy that this place exists the why would they lie West. about that <laughs> literally why would they lie yeah. about that other than just be just because they're crazy even 20th century train passengers were not immune to hijinks by locals in august 1902 hundreds of knights of pythias members headed to san francisco for okay. a national meeting one of the special convention trains was stuck stuck at Deeth, Nevada. In the words of one of the knights who reported about the incident in Elko, I've read a lot about the wild and woolly west, but this morning I witnessed a genuine article. Out there on the desert at a little station called Deeth, we saw a man hanging from a telephone pole. A placard on his coat stated that he had been hanged by vigilantes for stealing a horse. Then, while the train waited, a crowd of men rushed out of the saloon and fired their rifles at another r- crowd of cowboys, killing four of them. Then a number of Indians dressed in feathers and blankets with war paint on rode down the street, pointed their guns at the train, and threatened to kill anybody who has stuck his head out of the window. I tell you, Nevada is a lawless place. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. When you're seeing live action Grand Theft Auto in front of, like, imagine going to New York City and people are like, I heard this place is scary. And you're like, don't worry about it. And then you see, like, a full like, <laughs> like, gun by the, <laughs> like, that is the, being like, we got to get out of here. What an insane thing to do, especially because it kills your own tourism. Like, why would anyone go here? Other than, this is like, what is it? The, uh, Frank's last, re- Dick's last resort? Yeah. Dick, where they give you the fucking hats with the the making fun of you? Like, yes. that's the equivalent? It's that. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's that. It's a town? It's the anti, oh it's the anti, uh, the opposite of like a cute railroad ride where you hop off and you stop at a cafe and do some shopping. If you hop off, you're going to get shot. That's how it is Ooh. in Nevada. This is fun. This is a fun time. <laughs> but I'm not stressed. Because it's it's wild to me because you generally don't do pranks about things that genuinely happen. Because this is the, like, <laughs> like if somebody went into a, a school with, like, a fake gun and they're just like, I'm going to shoot up the place. Like, then they're, like, had children's bodies well, I around. Think, like, I think part insane. of it, I mean, they, they said that it was so peaceful that for three years they had absolutely no crimes. Maybe they were like, this is just, a, is this like, like the maybe purge? like we live in the last, but this is how we make it feel like we really do because we never do anything crazy. Is This is a more effective purge. Like instead of actually having time that you could break the law, like let's all do fake crimes together. Let's just have a fun little crime time where we can all be little super villains. Listen, they're, trying, and then they're all actively to trying to tank their own property values. It's an incredible scam. Oh, absolutely. It's wonderful. I'm going to say, I'm going to come out for the podcast to say, it. this is simultaneously absolutely psycho- psychotic, but it is so chaotic it's, that I can't help but respect but like, love the it. Love the effort. So yeah. much so much effort goes into it. Like, all right, the train's coming in 20 minutes, everybody. Places, everybody. Places. Come on. There's, we got to make it look nothing- real for the people more real of a prank than it's when it's at the detriment of the people doing the prank (laughs) (laughs) right literally everyone is worse off but it's awesome yeah Yeah. everyone (laughs) is always off in here but it it is technically harmless but also spooky but it's just how things go you know what i hope there are no crimes in your next segment well my next segment is the end of the podcast it turns out (gasps) because we have hit time hit time that's the buzzer beater that is the buzzer beater but Thank you, everybody, for taking your time to hang out with us here on Segment City. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you may give us a rating or a review on whatever podcast network of choice you like, like Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. And also, if you want to send us an email or any other segment, send it to segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com. Head up our Twitter, Segment City. Our YouTube is Segment City. And we would like to give a big thank you to somebody in particular. We want to give a root and toot and thank you to Rachel Robinson. She does our intro music and she shoots people if they don't like her music. Watch (laughs) out. I will say that I did do... Like I, a very quick Google search because you mentioned the Knights of Pythias, 
Yeah. And I was like, is this like Knights of Columbus? Because that's, mm-hmm. I have a, a Knights of Columbus sword. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, did you know that's like a racist? <laughs> like, oh, no. And I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. So I like Googled them. It's almost weirder because it was like, uh, the Knights of Pythias is the first fraternal organization to receive a charter under an act of the United States Congress. So I huh. don't know what the fuck they are. <laughs> that, might be a really... next, that might be another segment just to find out what the fuck these guys are. Yeah, this is weird. But anyway, <laughs> thank you. And now we're going to do our last segment, which is list of unusual deaths, which last time we had Henry I of England. Who who had uh, too much lampreys, and so he died. And now I have a few very quick ones. They're all one line. Sure, sure. So this is John uh, John two, Comnius. John uh, two. John Just two. John two. But it's, the, it's the Roman numerals of two, which is funny. I don't know where he's from, but uh, he died the first of April, eleven forty three. He cut himself with a poisoned arrow during a boar hunt, and subsequently died from an infection. Why? He did the old, Why? He died. He died. He, he he smashed together the two Game of Thrones deaths, which is the the King Robert Baratheon who died from a boar and um, Khal Drogo who died from infection. <laughs> so Why? he had like the stupidest of the two. <laughs> now this is Henry the First of Castile who died the sixth of June, twelve seventeen. King Henry the First, King of Castile, was killed by a tile. That fell from a roof. Oh. I'm having a great day here. Having a good been time. king. And you know what? I hope nothing happened. <laughs> oh. And then he's oh. done. Ow. Uh, and then this one. This is actually a brutal one. So we're going to add something a little bit nasty. But this is Al-Mustasim. Must- Al-Mustasim. There we go. I said it right that time. Uh the- who died the 20th of February, 1258. He was the last Kabbasid caliph of Baghdad, and he was executed by his Mongol captives, uh, by captors by being rolled up in a rug and then trampled by horses. Oh, no. Which is... Yikes. Bro- <laughs> I can't yeah. being like, are we doing a fun taco bit? Or like, what's going on, guys? Are we making a fun rug burrito? Okay, where are you getting the horses, though? That seems like it would hurt. That yeah, you just be like, oh, that's that's a real bad yeah, gross. But anyway, that's how we do it. So that's that a gross way. It's a nasty boy way to end the if podcast. You, if, yeah, yeah that's, that's a nasty way. But we're nasty boys. <laughs>